listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Episode 153 of the Testudo Times Podcast. I was thinking of a joke about the band Sticks because the main topic of the show is Jalen Smith coming back to Maryland for his sophomore season, but I couldn't think of one because the only Sticks song anyone knows is Renegade, and the second is Mr. Roboto, and the third song is You Shouldn't Know Any More Songs by Sticks because they stink. I sound really old right now, Thomas. Yeah, a little too old. I, I might actually be 55, masquerading as 25. I've always I was going to go that. 57. 57, okay. Yeah, you know, that's not too bad. I would have passed the midlife crisis. Probably would have made enough money to have a Porsche 911 by this point. And you know what? I'll take that. You would have been alive for multiple Mets World Series. At least one. And the other one, I wouldn't have been quite sentient enough to pay attention to it. Or close enough. This is true. But maybe not that terrible. But then I would have had to go through, you know, the worst team money you could buy and all sorts of other nonsense. So that still would have been pretty bad. Fair. I would, have been, I would have been paying attention to Maryland during many of their good times in sports, too, so that wouldn't have been bad as well. Mm-hmm. Could, couldn't be too bad to be that old. Uh, Lamar, do you know any other stick songs besides the two I just mentioned? I barely knew the two you just mentioned, so the answer you're, you're, is no. You're in much better shape than the rest of us because sticks is garbage. Though we are, if we're going to talk about music and we're just coming off the final four, I need Old Town Road opinions. Uh, it's the best song released in the last month, or at least <laughs> my favorite. Wait a minute. I don't want to. I don't want to overhype it, but it's a great song. I've listened to it way too many times. Well, I think it, we've all listened to it way too many times over the last three days. <laughs> it's one of those that music lately feels like this competition of I'm not sure why this song like makes me want to jump up and down, but it does. And like Old Town Road just kind of won it. It's like won that contest. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think anyone's gonna top it. Do you know what? I can't even lie. There was a time I was listening to it walking down uh, Knox Road on my way to work, and there was like this really short like someone was walking towards me, and I was listening to it, and like every part of me wanted to like just kick him in the face and yell "yeehaw" and keep moving. God Almighty! Do you know what my opinion on Old Town Road is? It's a song. I can't really say much more than that. (laughs) I was not That's expecting you to opinion. have. I was not expecting you to have a better opinion of Old Town Road than Sticks. Uh, old. Oh no, Old Town Road is fine. It's a song that exists. It, Sticks is garbage. Sticks is universally regarded as one of the worst bands of the '70s. Old Town Road by default is going to be better. I just don't think of it anyway. I think it's a random song that mixes genres together and ends up being soupy mush. That's the best thing I could say. It's not bad. It's not good. It's a song that exists. Anyway, but it is good. That's, you, you, that's undeniable. I, I'm not calling it bad. I, I don't really know what to describe it. After hearing it about 70 times, maybe that's burnout factor. Uh, let's talk about what we were supposed to talk about, even though you know you come to this podcast for takes about Red Panda and Old Town Road. Uh, Jalen Smith is returning to Maryland for his sophomore season. This was expected. I don't think we expected the decision to come down this fashion this early. Yeah, agreed, especially with uh, just the way the NBA draft process is Uh, playing out for a lot of kids you know you can declare you can even hire an agent and that doesn't uh hurt your eligibility and i have been under the impression for a while that you can only enter two drafts and i don't like now i don't think that's the case anymore so it's a little bit of a surprise to see that 
uh, Jalen Smith didn't even test the waters. But I think, you know, if he if he just felt like he wasn't ready and he definitely wanted to come back, then it's totally reasonable to not want that kind of hanging over your head. Um, you know, Jalen Smith reads his Twitter mentions pretty clearly. He quote tweets a lot of it, and so like it, Twitter mentions that would have been, it would have, it just would have been a lot of speculation. It would have been a lot of sort of uncertainty, um, just about his future and about all of that. And I think he he wanted to put that to bed, um, and and he did. And it's certainly something that all Maryland fans are cool with. So there you go. I think that there's something in this Lamar that, that's fascinating because obviously they get feedback from NBA people. It's obviously they're not going to off from that. And Jalen Smith had his flashes. We talked about it a lot. When Jalen Smith was really good, Maryland was really good. But when he was bad, he sometimes looked out of place. And I don't think going to the combine would have changed that. The rules keep changing. As I said, I thought you could only hire an agent twice. I think it was Justin mentioned that in the previous show. Um, well, go to the combine twice, then once you went the second time, you had to hire an agent and declare. I don't know what the rules are anymore, but for for Jalen Smith, I think he kind of knew if he took the Bruno Fernando track, it might be better for him. But it, it does surprise me that we don't have to go through the whole song and dance in May about him going to the combine because there are a lot of players who I would say are arguably worse NBA prospects, in my very uneducated opinion, who are declaring for the draft and he didn't. It's a really interesting dynamic that has developed here. Yeah, and it's a thing where, like, he definitely knows himself better than we do. Uh, but also, he must have been seeing some of the same things we are all reading. We are all seeing that, like, everyone believes he's a better uh, prospect for the 2019-2020 draft. And he came into the uh, season as, like, a potential lottery pick or, like, in the first round if he, like, showed out. And he was up and down. He was inconsistent. But, like, towards the end, we saw him start to tap into that potential. And another year is going to do him really well. Another year in the weight program. Like, we started to see towards the end of the season some of the payoffs of those weight programs, those extra sessions and things like that. So another uh, summer to just, like, go hard in the off season is good for him. And, yeah, the way this has played out where – Everyone's declaring for the draft for real, uh, because there's no real downside to it, except that everyone's declaring for the draft. Um, so I'm also a little surprised he didn't go through the process, but also this was the outcome everyone expected. So not too surprised, just that we don't have to deal with all the speculation. It is so funny, Thomas, because it is literally like everyone's declaring for the draft. It's not even like, you know, Zion's and the, and the John Morant's. It's like Jared Harper and some players who are like, wait a minute, you? Really? You're in, you think you can make it into the draft? It's really confusing. And Jalen Smith, I think, he, I mean, he would have been drafted. But, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have been going where he would have wanted to go and where he thought he could at the start of the year. Uh, that dynamic is is really fascinating because if you look at Jalen Smith and the raw tools that NBA profile is a lot better than some of the guys who did declare for the draft but I mean for Maryland fans it's just good to not have to worry about the speculation and you can now project what this Maryland team is going to be like in many ways with him back now instead of having to speculate about that and we're going to get into that in a second this Maryland team's ceiling is pretty high and with Jalen Smith back, it's higher than even you would have imagined. 
Yeah, and that's even with Bruno Fernando still expected to leave. He hasn't announced anything. Um, and if he, for whatever reason, comes back, not only does Maryland return basically everything, it you know it, it's all full of scholarships. So like the roster is basically set. Um, and even with most people assuming Fernando is going to leave, Maryland is pretty high up on a lot of these way too early top 25s. I've seen which, them somewhere say what the you, top 10. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they've been in the top 10. We, I looked at 10 of them, and they were top 10 in four of them and 11th in another one. And then a, a little bit further down in some others. But I think for a team that hung around the 20s most of this year, that's that is notable even with with Fernando leaving and with uh, with all the Michigan guys declaring, depending on who comes back and who doesn't like Maryland could be uh, seriously in the running for second best team in the Big Ten behind Michigan State, who is like the consensus top one or two team in the country. It's so going to stink. But hey, Maryland will play Michigan State at home next so, Lamar, when you think about the dynamic of this Maryland team with Jalen Smith back, even if Bruno Fernando leaves, and I assume he's going to, I don't think there's much more for him to gain in college, especially considering most people think he's going to be a first-round pick. And if you're a first-round pick, you leave at this point. Next year, we, we talked about it on the last show. I know you weren't with us, but they bring back everything sans Fernando, and they add in three players who are going to perhaps be impact freshmen. But unlike the last two Maryland teams, freshmen are not going to be relied on to be the everything for this Maryland team and you have perhaps your best player in Anthony Cowan as a senior that's a good combination and how we've seen college basketball start to evolve is that one and dones are great but it doesn't necessarily get you everything Maryland has maybe if it's not the top end talent as we're projecting out to November next year they do have depth and in college basketball in 2019-20 depth is very important and Maryland has about as much of it as any team as you can project at this time of the year so I've been saying this to people. I don't think I've said it on the show before, but this is the type of team, the team that Turgeon had this year that like a great coach is going to build on. And this is where we really like, we've seen Turgeon ha gets, have some teams get old, but we haven't seen him get old. Have, we haven't seen his teams get old with this type of talent before. So this next year is going to be a, Big year. Uh, the, of course, they return a lot of people. Now that you return sticks, it goes back to something. I asked Andrew Terrell after the LSU game, is like, what's the ceiling for this team? And he was like, we all, I think we all know what the ceiling is for this team, which implies national championship caliber. And this is, I'm not going to say as it is now is a national championship caliber team, but like this is the type of team that could make a deep run into the postseason. And wouldn't be too surprising to see them threatening, especially we don't expect Bruno to come back. He probably shouldn't come back. I don't think there's much more to prove at this level. Plus, that's a lot. That's like a lot of money on the table. You never know. But this is a great. This is the the building blocks of a great team, and it's going to be exciting to see what happens next year. You said the magic words great coaches and Mark Turgeon in the same sentence. I don't know if many people are going to agree with you, but this is a prove-it year for Mark Turgeon in many ways, now that you, you frame it like that. Uh, I, I think that, Thomas, we, the next question is, when does Bruno Fernando declare? I mean, since everybody's declaring, I don't think we're going to be waiting too long. 
for him to declare, but there doesn't seem to be much noise on that front at this point. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but again, we all think he's going to be going to go to the draft, hire an agent, and that's the end of that. But do you have a timeline on that? Not really. I mean, I, I expected something within this week or next week, probably, just because this is the kind. This is the time where pretty much everyone's, um, you know, set to go, and you know, even if unless Maryland fills the scholarship, I think the door will be somewhat open for him to return just the way that the draft rules are set up. But yeah, like I, I still expect him gone, but you know, for, for the first time in a while, it looks like Maryland will be able to handle um, losing, you know, kind of a premier player after just two years um, because of, because of the depth that they've been able to get and the talented depth that they've been able to get. It looks like, you know, just based on the rankings, it, this is the first time they've been able to really, really withstand one of those. I mean, the only other team like this for Maryland was the 15-16 team when they brought in Suleiman and Stone, but that was a one-off, and everybody kind of knew that. Next year might be a one-off, but some of the players are still going to be sophomores, so it's not as if a lot of this talent isn't going anywhere. It's not exactly, you know, the crazy one-and-dones, you know, of the big of the big blue bloods. It's a really interesting dynamic that's setting up for this Maryland team. And optimism is not something you usually see heading into a Maryland season. Yeah, the whole trick with sort of roster building in college basketball is to, like, recruit really talented players who will also be around for a while. And to me, the team that's figured this out better than anyone is Villanova, and that's why they've won two national titles in the last well, four years now. Well, argue Virginia, too. Virginia now. You know, they're in the last couple years they've gotten if, if you, just you know top 100 recruits computer, i'm sorry but we had to say it yeah i mean like virginia's an example of that michigan 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 state i mean they've gotten they've been an interesting mix because they've recruited like three star kids and turned them into really good players and they've recruited one and duns or two and duns um but i th- you know i think i look at villanova as a really good example and just in terms of recruits they bring in Maryland in the last few cycles hasn't been that far behind um there is an obvious difference between Mark Turgeon and Jay Wright and Mark Turgeon Mar- Maryland's also had talk about lawn care yeah and Maryland has also just had you know a little bit worse luck with you know guys having their stock get high before they become really good college players um it looks like he's finally getting that chance to bring in four-star talent and develop it. Guys like Cowan and Morsell and Ayala and even Wiggins, um, Jalen Smith going to be returning for a second year. You know, that's, that's really a coach's dream. And now you have to take advantage of it. And most Maryland fans, I don't think are very, um, let's say high on Turgeon, but maybe this year we'll change that. And there's a long way to go. And of course, stay tuned to everything Testudo times for, uh, news on Bruno Fernando and everything else. I would imagine they'll fill that scholarship spot with like a walk-on or something like that or upgrading somebody. I don't think they need much more. They've got plenty of depth, and I still would consider there might be some room for some back end of the roster players to leave. We do want to end this little basketball segment on congratulating Rod in the Testudo Times Bracket Challenge of 155 members with a great name. Ricky Lingo hands out the window. That is an amazing name, and I'm sad I didn't think of it. He won with 140 points. 
picking the national championship game uh, of Virginia, and uh, he had uh, Michigan State, but it was Texas Tech. He still ended up doing really well because he got three of the four Final Four. I completely collapsed on the second weekend, just lost everybody. My Final Four was Michigan, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and it all went very badly. Uh, after picking the national champion right the last two years, you know what, I'm not going to it happens. I finished like 50th out of everybody. I don't know where the rest of you guys finished. Uh, I actually looked it up. I was 124th. The only Final Four team I actually got right was Texas Tech, um, and I had them losing to Michigan State. No, I had them losing to Duke. Uh, so wait, I finished yeah. better than you, and uh, I didn't get any Final Four teams right. I was finished 114th. I was I was terrible. It I was, was, was double-digit 14th, folks. Yeah. UVA. UVA. So the top. The top 17 finishers all picked Virginia, and I was 14th out of that. So, like, I didn't pick a lot of first or second round games uh, really well, but I had all my Final Four teams into the Elite Eight and somehow only got Virginia in, but they won it all. And so I, I won, like, my family pool and, you know, a couple small friend group pools out of it. There you go. I mean, last year I finished the, second yeah. out of everybody. It's the first time I've picked the champion since UNC, the Tyler Hansbro year. Was that 2009? Yeah. Because until recently, yeah. that was the only one that I got right. And then I got UNC in 17, and last year I got Nova. So last year I got lucky because I had Nova in Michigan. But this year I kind of rode that a little bit too high. But, you know, such is the way it goes with brackets. Some years you do well, and some years you completely play them out and you lose money, and I've lost a lot of money. And now I present to you the Testudo Time Stanley Cup Playoff Bracket Challenge. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't put subject hmm. you to any of that nonsense because it's a lot stupider. And the playoff format for the NHL shouldn't be like that, but it is. We'll leave that to March Madness, the NHL trying to ape something that can't be theirs. Uh, anyway, uh, we now will focus on football. Some football news, some negative news, Thomas. I'm sorry for forgetting who Antron Richardson was because you had to remind me of that yesterday. We were trying to set up this podcast. Uh, Torres ACL probably out for the year. It's not just quarterbacks that happens with Maryland. Is there any other football news of note that we should get to besides that? Yeah, so just... Just a little more on Richardson. He was someone I wasn't I'm – I'm not entirely sure if he was really in line to start this year. The safety group at Maryland is – it's pretty loaded with talent, although there isn't a ton of starting experience. Um, it's it's a few, you know, high three, low four-star recruits um, who have been backups the last couple of years. Antoine Richardson got a chance to start 10 games last year. So he was – at least in line to be one of the starters. I think Antoine Brooks is going to start at safety this year, so he would probably he's in all certainty going to take one of those spots. Um, you know, Richardson, a would have been you know some experienced competition for that, and he was he was a leader in that group. He was a rising senior, um, so Maryland just talent wise will be able to overcome this most likely. But you know, being able to lose, you know, losing Richardson does hurt from from leadership standpoint as well although it's not like he's leaving the program he'll just he won't be able to be as much a part of things while he rehabs um the other really interesting football thing from since we've done the last podcast is they moved austin fontaine over um he was a four-star defensive tackle in the 2018 class he was the second highest rated recruit in that class behind jalen duncan and now just for the spring, because TJ Bradley got hurt, one of the backup tackles, they moved Fontaine in. They're actually putting him at guard. He played both ways in high school, and what someone told me was that he is a really good defensive tackle, but he's a really, really good guard, and 
So, you know, they've they've changed his number. They've moved him over for just the spring, and I think they'll kind of see where he's at at the end. Um, defensive tackle, in particular, does have some returning experience. It's sort of defensive end that's the biggest question mark on Maryland. So Fontaine, he was somewhat in the mix, but if if he's he's been kind of second string um, offensive line in camp, which you know you can you can only have you you can't have too many uh, starter caliber offensive linemen for sure. Oh, in this division in this conference, I would take as many of as I could get. Even though Maryland's been recruiting a lot of them, a lot of them were were done. They're, they're gone now. And so the experience you have, even if it's somebody who was a converted defensive tackle, I mean, that doesn't seem all that out of the ordinary. We've seen Maryland convert wide receivers to cornerbacks, and it's ended up being okay, Tino Ellis being the greatest example. Uh, Lamar, do you have any thoughts on football-related things? I've not been thinking about Maryland football for a while, and to be honest, that's probably not a bad thing. But these are some interesting stories of note. Big Ten Network did a feature on, I think they're doing something on, lastly right now uh but it was just an interesting comment he had about being labeled as a recruiter first uh especially as like a black coach where like similar coaches who are being promoted are like lauded for their offensive talent uh he's proven that he has uh that offensive mind as well but he was just like i'll never apologize for being uh someone who builds great relationships uh and is able to like get someone's kid from point A to point B and, like, help them, like, grow and mature as a uh, person. So that was just cool to me to hear. Um, other than that, football's been pretty pretty tame through the, uh, through the spring practice since the uh, ACL tear. Thank God for that. Did you, I didn't really think of Mike Loxley and, and how, how being tagged as the recruiter would affect him and how he would react to that. I've never thought of it that way. That's actually a very interesting comment that he's had. And I, I don't want to imply anything that there is not there to imply. And certainly I'm not qualified to say that. Lamar might be more qualified to say that. Other people might be more qualified to say that. I'm not super into football recruiting. But that's an interesting comment. I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. A spring game is on the 27th. Oh, wait. That's not the right day. It's that Saturday. Whatever the hell the Saturday is. 27th. 27. Okay, I don't even remember. Yep. I remember a couple of Saturdays. I'm like, oh, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and first uh, first scrimmage is this coming Saturday, the 13th. So they'll open, like, probably four minutes of it to us. But um, we'll see. I think as the spring progresses, we'll get some greater semblance of not even a depth chart just because there are so many people who aren't here yet, but maybe just a better sense of as Loxley's been saying, kind of who the playmakers are and kind of just how everyone fits in. I'll take a quiet spring over most of the springs in recent Maryland football history. I do believe that they did also send over the medical review board, if I'm correct. I think I saw that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so they set up the, uh, the review board. That was one of the recommendations in the Walters report. And um, it's the 19th out of 20 to be met or implemented and you know it's not much it'll meet once a year uh it's headed by walters it's not much it's not going to change a ton but the i think it's still a good thing just you know having oversight having someone who makes sure that things are going as planned um i I think it's absolutely critical that you just implement the basic things you were recommended to do (laughs) yeah absolutely and that's 
that's sort of a basic one. It does take a little bit longer to, you know, form a panel like that, but um, I think it's probably a good. It, it, sh- it should be a good thing. It should be a benefit. One more thing on revenue sports before we get a lot in the non-revs. There's a lot of non-revenue stuff to talk about. I did see a report on, on IMS in the recent days about Maryland trying to build a new basketball facility or trying to get funding for it. I, Jeff Ehrman reported it. I, I would go there if you want more information on it because it was, it was the story that he was reporting on. Uh, a lot of basketball facilities are being built. Maryland's facilities are basically Xfinity Center, which they share with volleyball, which is interesting. So, uh, Thomas, do you have any news on that? Because I thought that was a fascinating uh, part of the, you know, the facilities arms race that is now all college sports. And, you know, Maryland's got a great gym, but they don't exactly have a practice facility, quote unquote. Xfinity Center is big and there's lots of bits of it you might not see or unless you've covered practices, you've covered stuff like that. But basketball doesn't have that. And now I think it's being built onto the end of Xfinity Center. So if you got any uh, news on that. Yeah, so I mean, just, just from the the Ehrman report there was that, you know, they're kind of drumming up a little more support for it. And it's getting to the point where there might be, you know, enough money coming in that, you know, it starts moving. Um, we're, we're still, from what it seems, pretty far away from it actually happening. Um, but it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on. I mean, Xfinity Center is a good arena and a good facility, but, you know, again, it is shared by a lot of Maryland teams. Um, and, you know, it's it, it, it would definitely be helpful for Maryland basketball to have its own thing. It wouldn't be cheap, obviously, and it wouldn't be easiest because – you know, where would you put it? What would you have to take away? There's not a ton of just open space around Xfinity. It's a parking lot. The softball fields are there. Um, intramural fields are there. So you'd have to, you would have to figure something out. It's a long way away from actually happening if it does happen, but it's something that, you know, was brought up there and worth keeping an eye on down the road. Well, because everybody has a facility now. <laughs> it- yeah, I mean, some places just have the space for it. And I think Maryland, in you know, from... To me, it has seemed like they use the space they have well. Um, not everyone has a ton of space, but it, it couldn't hurt. And I think the question that Jeff brought up is the fundraising because they're still trying to you know, deal with what's happened with coal. And you know, the atmosphere around the athletic department still is, I would say, not great. So fundraising is going to be something that could be tricky. But you know, Damon Evans is a fundraiser, and I'm pretty sure if Maryland plays to their – capability next year i think the fundraising for that would go a lot better but it's the fundraising according to airman reached the point where you now are starting to hear about it a little bit and that's interesting so very very interesting reporting that's going on about facilities and if you want to talk about facilities being you know the next market inefficiency or whatever the hell you want to call it in college basketball that's going on and also of course there's the talk that i just saw a little bit earlier today about the one and done negotiations to end that pretty soon i think it's safe to say that's going to end and maybe it suits Maryland, but it's going to obviously change college basketball. Not many players are going to go straight from high school to the NBA, but there will be a few. And so that's obviously a fascinating uh, debate that's going on. So that is the revenue sports talk. And now I go to Thomas to talk about ice cream because that's where we get to with Kathy Reese. And I would like you to talk about ice cream first because obviously when a coach gets ice cream named after them, yeah, so I, I, I would like to talk about Kathy Reese. And the winning first. Uh, the, last week, she... It's just been a busy week for Kathy Reese. Uh, last week, she became Maryland's all-time winningest women's lacrosse coach, passing 
her predecessor and her college coach, Cindy Timchall. Um, Kathy Reese has done this with winning 93% of her games. She is 262-21 and 21 that is at Maryland right now. utterly ridiculous. It is unreal. Um, she has lost 21 games, and this is her 12th season. I can't even think about the, what it takes to be at 93%. And she's only had one, like, completely undefeated season. So, you know, that's a lot of like one-loss one years, a lot, couple right. of two-loss years. Yeah, it's been it's been unreal. And last week, you know, they just kind of destroyed uh, two more top ten teams, including previously undefeated Michigan, who was ranked seventh. So, like, their schedule hasn't been the best. But Maryland beat them 14-3, to beat them in all facets. And Megan Taylor, who's as good at playing goalie as anyone is at anything right now, just in college sports, um, She's now saved well over 60% of her shots this year. She saved 10 of 13 in that game. She's she's now won six straight Big Ten defensive players of the week. And I don't I don't know what I was doing six weeks ago. Like it's it's been that long. Uh let's see. Six weeks ago would have been last week of February. End of February, yeah. So we were all bemoaning the terribleness of losing to Penn State and I was uh making uh great assumptions of the trade deadline in the NHL. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I think that makes sense. But um gee, that, that's But a- then but then just to continue a busy week, she got an ice cream flavor. And yeah. once you get this you is, know you've made it at Maryland when you get your own ice cream flavor. Yeah, this is always fun. Her last name is Reese, so like I'm stunned it took this long. Um the it's just such a it's a beautiful flavor because it's it's Reese's cups and Reese's pieces and a little chocolate swirl and on on top of vanilla ice cream. It is fantastic. Um, I do not eat chocolate anything. There's another hot take for you, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I'll let Thomas eat that for me. That is that is a hot take. Yeah, it's, it's rivaling – I would say that it rivals Brenda Freeze's for top coach ice cream. I don't remember. So as someone allergic to peanuts, I'm going to have to uh, stay away from that one. But uh, that's a very winning flavor, I'd have to say. And not eating chocolate should be a sin, Matt. It's it's incredibly healthy for me. If I added chocolate to my diet, I would not be in the shape I'm in, which is to say I'm not in very good shape at all. So there you go. There you have it. Lifestyle choice. I got into the gym one time last night for the Those first time in like a year a so pounds. like changes i have a pair of 15 pound weights that i lift every day and it's not exactly scientific what i do but it's not like i'm going to the gym every day and working out like a crazy person which i do have people i know that do and because i don't exactly have a great diet uh eating chocolate wouldn't help so there you go you have now heard my opinion today on sticks old town road and chocolate congratulations that's what you come to the maryland uh websites the student times podcast for my takes on things you don't care about nor should you Anyway, uh, is there any, I mean, women's lacrosse at this point, they're going to run the table until we get to the tournament, and they're going to be the definitive clear favorites, even though there are a lot of other good teams, and women's lacrosse, Thomas, is improving in a major way across the board. that's the thing, is, I, they're, they're not the clear favorite, is the whole thing, because the other undefeated team, point? the other undefeated team is the team that beat them in the Final Four last year, and returns everyone, returns even more, because that's, it's Boston College, who Maryland beat in the title game two years ago made the title game last year 
and lost again and returns everyone from like the, the top four players from both of those teams, including the player who dominated Maryland in that game, didn't play last year so she could play hockey. And this year is back and dominating. So Maryland, Boston College on Memorial Day Sunday is what you're telling like, me. It's very much looking that way. Something will probably happen because it's sports, but it would that would be quite something. I mean, I I have been around some of the high school. I've done some call uh, calling some high school tournament games, and that's the talk that you hear. I heard last year about BC. I heard it. You hear about Maryland, obviously, every year. Uh, that seems like what it's going to be like, and if it is, that could be one of the best women's lacrosse title games ever. Get two just dominant programs going up against one another, and after having played each other at the highest possible level the last couple of years, it could happen again. Seems seems like a good idea. Seems like well, a good idea. As in, if you're neutral, it'll be fun. Maybe. Yeah, Maryland. I mean, these last few years, like they played Northwestern three years in a row in the tournament. Uh, it feels like they've played North Carolina in every tournament, um, and then you know Boston College the last couple of years. It always seems to happen that way. So. That's the women's lacrosse. They continue to be dominant and yet still aren't the favorites. That's weird because normally if... if I would say they're co-favorites, really. But even, but even then, it's like you're thinking about Maryland women's lacrosse history. If they're not the favorites, something crazy is happening because they've been like the dominant program forever. And now they've got company. That's only good for the sport, obviously. But it's going to be fascinating to see that play out. And then men's lacrosse, I really shouldn't have bad-talked Penn State because then Maryland lost to them. But Maryland is still obviously pretty good. They beat Michigan, and Michigan's not a bad team either. Uh, it means that Maryland's got competition. They're, they're still probably a Memorial Day weekend team. They always are. I can't imagine them not being. But against Penn State, they dug themselves a giant hole and couldn't get out of it, even though they made that game close. Michigan, they won. It was a, a reasonably close game, I seem to think. Maryland's still pretty good, but they, too, have competition. Yeah, I mean, they're not a completely perfect team as we, you know, as we saw, but I don't think there is a perfect team in um, college lacrosse right now. A lot of people thought Yale was one at the start of the year and then they, you know, they lost and a lot of number one teams have gone down. Um, Penn state kind of, you know, made a real statement with, with beating Maryland and, you know, going into college park, taking an eight, one lead. Maryland will probably get another crack at them either in the Big Ten tournament or um, in the NCAAs, somewhere down the line. That'll that'll be another hurdle to clear, but John Tillman knows what he's doing, and Maryland should be ready for the second one. If I, if I know anything about having covered men's lacrosse the one year that I did, um, the coverage of that is, 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 is fascinating, because when he gets a second chance, more than likely he takes it. That's the thing about Maryland lacrosse, men's and women's. If you give them a second chance, they're probably going to take it. Uh, it's I, I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like. I'm presuming it's all just the rest of conference play. And uh, the tournament's at the end of this month, I yeah, believe. Yeah, both, both teams. Both teams actually, it's interesting. I think they each have two more regular season games left, and then they host Hopkins on senior day after the spring game. Um, but they already had their senior day so that Hopkins can just be Hopkins. Yeah. As I as I keep reminding people when I do my D3 games when Johns Hopkins in the sports that are not lacrosse, they're at a conference called Centennial, and I've done games for a school in that conference, and uh, I always I always get a chance to say Maryland's better. Maryland's better. 
nobody surprisingly seems to want to, you know, contest me on that. But, uh, yeah, I always enjoy that. Because Johns Hopkins is so dominant in every sport at the D3 level, but not quite there at uh, the uh, men's lacrosse level. Not nearly as they were. I think the Big Ten's kind of really... Just the fact that Maryland showed up and Hopkins came along with them made the Big Ten men's lacrosse program uh, something incredibly interesting. Because they basically created the best lacrosse conference out of scratch, which is which yeah, is fascinating. Yeah, it was. It's Maryland, Hopkins, and a bunch of schools that happen to have lacrosse programs and a ton of money. And well, what are you talking about with Rutgers? And also Rutgers. <laughs> and also Rutgers. Yeah, that on money. But now every one of those schools has had good moments in men's lacrosse in recent years. This is not like yeah, Michigan. Michigan's the one. Owned everybody. Michigan's the one that's pretty new. And um, just just hired, you know, last year they hired a Maryland assistant Um, and like they they were ranked at one point last year. They haven't been ranked this year. They're not they're not there. So they're not a bad team, but but they're kind of at the bottom of this conference full of really good teams. Rutgers was one at one point. Now Penn State's number one. It's amazing Mm -hmm. what Maryland's presence could do to lacrosse. Just it makes it better out of nothing. Although the men's lacrosse conference is a lot more. I guess competitive than the women because the women it's just Maryland rolling over everybody. It seems. I mean, not quite. Like this year, Northwestern. Northwestern's number five. They play tomorrow night. Northwestern is one. Almost like Northwestern has almost the history Maryland does in this sport. Um, they've been really, really good for a long time. So that's that's kind of a, like a historic rivalry. Um, although Northwestern hasn't beaten Maryland since 2012, uh, Michigan was undefeated. Last week, Penn State made a Final Four a couple years ago. Hopkins isn't quite as good, but and and Rutgers isn't quite as good, but it's it's still a pretty strong conference to be in. It's a little bit the dynamic though is a tiny bit different than Maryland, but you know Maryland has essentially made lacrosse a thing in the Big Ten, which obviously again you told us ten years ago that was going to happen, you would have been told you're crazy. Uh, other non-revenue sports things: baseball plays wild games. Sometimes they're close. Other times they're, what, 16 to 10 was the score yesterday? Yes. So they were down 6 to 1. I actually, we, we caught a bit of this game, or at least I did, because um, it was it was at home. It was during football practice. Actually, uh, Justin Vogt, the catcher, hit a grand slam onto the practice field. And, like, almost hit a player. That's interesting. Yeah, so that was... Uh, that was a fun little thing because the practice field's in like right center field, right field. Yeah, um, I think most of you know where it is, but but if you don't, that's what I'm here for. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we caught a little bit of that. Maryland was down six one in that game, and then scored six runs in the third. So they were down six one in the third inning, like very early in the game. Then they score six in that inning. They score seven in the fifth, and then kind of cruise from there. It's um, last weekend they one two out of three at illinois which is that is a that's very impressive um to go on the road and do that illinois is pretty good not off to a very good start in big 10 play so what are they three and three in big 10 play now i believe yeah and one game over 500 for the season you know which which seems about right like they'll they'll have a chance i think to play their way into certainly to play their way into the big 10 tournament which is top eight out of 13 in the conference um I'm going to ask and an open we'll see here. beyond that. I'm going to ask Lamar. I don't want to. Sorry to interrupt. I want to ask Lamar. What is the one Big Ten school that doesn't play baseball? If you can guess. Uh, 
I'm going to say Rutgers, but I don't know. It is not Rutgers. What's your second guess? I see. I know they. I know Indiana plays. Hold on. Let me go. Let me go through it in my head. I don't want you to look it up. I want you to see if you can guess. No, I'm not going. I'm not going. Yeah. Uh. I know Thomas knows the answer, but I want to see if you can guess this because I want to bring you in on these non-rev discussions, but we normally can't. Let me. Let me think. Let me think. I know Illinois plays. Michigan. Michigan State have a team. Who's Northwestern probably has a team. What, sir, is your final answer? Final answer, final final guess is Penn State. Penn State, no. The answer is Wisconsin. Ah, I always I always forget like the the Western Midwest teams like they just like slip my mind because it's like why are we in a conference with them? But like the answer, I get is it. Wisconsin. I knew Thomas. You knew that. That's why I wanted to bring in Lamar for that. You wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, and, was, and and they all play softball. They all play softball. You get more, obviously, with women's sports than you do with men. Obviously, you know, only five, like, Big Ten teams play lacrosse and only six or seven. I think it's six play hockey. But, yeah, the only one that does not play baseball is Wisconsin, which is really odd. Wouldn't have guessed that. But so it turns out. So that is your baseball talk. Uh, Who do they have next, Thomas? They are at Northwestern this weekend. Okay. And uh, softball, how's that going? It's... It's going a little bit. Um, they're like, they're not off to a good start. The Big Ten, they're two and seven. They've played pretty good competition. Um, they had to go on the road against Michigan State, who's been toward the bottom of the conference the last two years. And that was a series where Maryland hit well but didn't pitch well. Um, in other series, they've pitched well but didn't hit well. So they're they're in a lot of tight games. They just haven't been able to come out with a ton of wins in conference play. I think they're just under 500 for the year seems better than recent years though yeah i mean it's been it it has been better they they had a freshman named taylor okada who was hitting like well over 400 got hurt and has missed all of conference play and maryland is not saying anything about it so that's that's always fun highly unfortunate is there anything else from uh non-revenue sports that we should mention Gymnastics finished uh, finished its season at NCAA tournament. It didn't go great. Um, they actually posted their lowest score since January. Had to um, count some 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 mishaps, but still a really productive year for them. Um, it's their second straight year in the tournament, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're building. They've got some more recruits coming in as well, so um, things are generally pretty positive there it's good I, know, I think that's i think that's most of it i know you covering gymnastics is one of your things that you're interested in i yeah i'll leave that one to you i mean i don't cover it a ton i i think it's you know i i talked to the coach after last season and i did another thing before this year's tournament um just to follow it up but you know college gymnastics is it's just interesting kind of the way it sets up and the way you can um build a roster and a lineup and all that you know, it's one of those sports. It's it's just different. It's it's definitely different. Uh, it is not something I pay attention to during the Olympics. So, I just hope Maryland does well in it. I I, I don't have much more to say about gymnastics. I'm trying to think about something. Not like paying attention to gymnastics in the Olympics is a mistake. That's like the only time I pay attention to gymnastics because it's just generally dope. Well, normally it's just on tape delay. 
and repackaged, and I'll rather watch it live, but that's TV talk more than talk about actual gymnastics. Uh, Thomas, is there anything else? I think we hit everything. Yeah, I think we got pretty much everything. We got the bracket in there. Yes, uh, we, we got did. we got the Old Town Road in there. Yes, we did. Uh, one thing is uh, if Bruno does leave and or other scholarships open up somehow, I'd expect Maryland to go after a guard rather than a uh, – walk on which is something i like thought of earlier that it like slipped my mind was we were having the bracket discussion um but other than that that's it yeah like when when we talked to the other 2019 kids who's you know all kids six eight or above you know they said they definitely wanted a shooter uh to come in with them and you know the one kid that that's been pretty widely known connected with maryland lester quinones um he seems to be fading but they will have uh certainly other options they'll they'll do what they can to to fill that um it'll most likely just be a rotational guy this year but if it's someone who can come in and make shots right away then they will take that in a heartbeat mm-hmm. virginia techs anthony uh harris is, well former virginia tech anthony harris is back on the board but like i'd consider maryland a longer shot for there and then also they've been in on a couple of transfer guards so one of the sit one prospects wouldn't be too surprising either i'm not expecting it but hey Anything that can make this team just even an iota better and get them better shooting from the backcourt is definitely not going to hurt them. And that, I think, is it. Sorry for the long wait for the podcast. We're at the point now in the year where it's not like we're talking basketball and football every week. Uh, we'll definitely have some stuff coming on. I would assume right before the, NA, uh, the NFL draft. I almost said NHL draft. What the hell am I talking about? NFL draft, uh, spring games that weekend. So you won't have to wait too long for another show. But there is... Still, obviously, stuff to get to. Lacrosse seasons are winding down. You've got plenty of baseball and softball to watch. Thank you very much for listening. hope you enjoyed March Madness. I know you probably didn't with the end result, but maybe your bracket did well. And reading some early season previews of people thinking Maryland could be a top-10 team, that's not a bad thing either. First time in four years we've seen any of that. Uh, until then, of course, go Terps.